You're listening to an EG Property Podcast. I'm Tim Burke, EG's Deputy Editor. We're talking today about well-being. A year on from the start of the first COVID-19 lockdown, many of us will have been through peaks and troughs in terms of how we feel about our work and our working practices. But having felt our way in the dark for much of the past 12 months, the vaccine rollout is now the clearest sign of light at the end of the tunnel. As we head through the coming weeks and months, how can we make sure that we all learn the lessons of the past year, that we look after ourselves and our colleagues, and that our companies look after us? I was joined for a discussion about this by Linda Shillor, Chief Executive at Harworth Group, the London-listed regeneration specialist, John Woodman, a senior partner at real estate consultancy Hollis, and Victoria Hill, who worked in real estate finance at RBS and then at CBRE before founding coaching company ProMind. I started by asking Victoria, based on conversations with clients, where the past year and the pandemic have left well-being and mental health on the real estate sector's corporate agenda. Undoubtedly, I think the whole area, not just well-being, but the whole area of human capital, if we can call it that, has been pretty much thrust into the spotlight since COVID arrived um, in the last 12 months. And it really needed to happen, actually. So um, in, in a nutshell, I think it's moved up the agenda. I think it's absolutely on people's radars, and rightly so. I see it coming into the boardroom, so people who have got a well-being focus or mental well-being focus, so either HR, but also business leaders are now putting it on their agenda, so it's getting discussed at boards, um, and it's and it's really come to the fore. I do think there's a long way to go, and I think we've been finding our way a little bit in the dark because it's been thrust upon us, so it's a little bit like mental well-being and the awareness is there, and now we're almost sort of scrabbling around just to find out exactly how we handle mental well-being in the workplace and how we can really turn it into productivity. But I do think ultimately it is coming to the realization now that productivity and mental well-being are really codependent rather than well-being being a discretionary extra. So if we do really want productive and effective workforces, they do need to be mentally well. And I think that is the realization that really the last 12 months has brought for us. John, what does that realisation perhaps look like in a, in a business like Hollis? We have had well-being and mental health issues at the forefront of what we've been doing for a long, long time. And, uh, and it's certainly been on our board agenda for a long, long time. Um, uh, partly because we've had quite a lot of senior people, me included, who have suffered from mental health issues during uh, their time in the business. And, you know, to some extent, that's quite fortunate because you work out how to deal with it yourself. And it's much easier to interact with your people uh, if you've been through it yourself. Um, but it, it did make a big difference to us, the fact that we were already um, <clears throat> well on board with well-being and mental health issues as an organisation, because it has been a very difficult period for people uh, the last 12 months and having to change how they work and deal with new pressures around working from home and working in a remote remote environment. Um, so I I think it's um, it, it it hasn't been thrust into the limelight for us. It was already there. 
Um, but we still had to react quite quickly to the new world and, and looking after people in a very different environment. And Linda, your experience is coming into a new role, obviously with a lot to get to grips with in your, in your new position and in a new business. Where did you find well-being sitting within the, within the agenda at, at Harworth? And how did you build that into your, your initial steps in taking the chief executive post? So I would say that um, one of the reasons I really wanted to join Harworth was because of um, of what I felt its culture was. Um, and it's, a you know, as you make a decision to sort of join um, a new business, particularly in a, in a leadership role like this, you know, actually, those are factors that certainly for me um, have always been really important when I've joined a business. You know, is the culture going to be a good fit for me? Is it a strong? Is it a positive culture? Is it a collaborative culture? Um, you know, is it a kind culture? Because I do think actually, you know, sort of that whilst these seem like very soft words, they're very important in the mm. context of what we're talking about. But actually, they're also really important in terms of being able to attract and retain talent. You know, I mean, actually, you know, sort of talent, you know, chooses where it goes. And I think actually, as we move forward into a world where, you know, we've known that talent has been more mobile for, you know, the last sort of you know couple of, of of decades really but I think we, we were starting to really see before Covid sort of slowed the global movement of talent around you know sort of um, over the last sort of few years I think that's actually been sort of really really evident and we've got shortages of uh, you know, sort of in our industry of, of key skills and that talent will move so a big part of me joining Harworth was actually what I felt its culture was going to be um, it's really difficult when you join on a Monday of a week and then by Thursday, actually, you're effectively working from home again um, to, you know, sort of to get you know, the sense of actually, was I right? You know, was, was this actually sort of a great business to join for its culture? Um, I think actually the way that we've worked, it proves that it actually, it's proved to me that it actually is a great business for its culture. Um, the culture of the business is important, like, you know, from the top to the bottom, from the board, you know, sort of right the way through the organisation. It's one of the things the business is actually really proud of and if you look at look at how that the business adapted to effectively remote working in lockdown one it did it really quite seamlessly and very effectively and people worked incredibly hard through 2020 to make sure that they didn't just deliver you know the business results but actually they supported each other um, in getting there um, and you know I'm sure we'll come on to talk about it you know that's not without you know sort of um, challenges the longer you know sort of that the, the this has gone on but certainly coming in as a as a new CEO to a business um I think that culture has made my landing in the business my the way I've been able to interact with the business you know just a brilliant way to join I, I can't imagine having to join a business and want to change the culture in the environment that we've actually sort of been in um it's actually helped to ease me stepping into the business and actually support me arriving you, you mentioned there are challenges that arise as time goes on. And I've spoken recently to a couple of business leaders who've talked about the journey that their staff have been on over the past year. And that when they were carrying out, let's say, sentiment surveys of their teams, near to the beginning of the first lockdown, people actually found that they thought there was a positive impact on their well-being. They were perhaps, you know, enjoying spending more time with their family. They were discovering benefits about working remotely, 
and yet over time that has shifted and maybe there were there were negative elements to that or, or challenges that individuals faced that became more apparent the longer that, that this went on. I, I just wonder from conversations with your teams or Victoria with with clients, everyone have, will have a different experience, of course. But what are what are the what are the journeys that, that you've seen individuals go through as they've shifted the way that they live and work over this past year? I think. Um... I think you're absolutely right. I think that first lockdown, the timing of it was great. You know, it was, you know, warm, it was sunny. People suddenly found they weren't commuting. They found they had time at home. They found, you know, that they had time with their family. Um, they didn't think it was going to last for a year, I think is actually the fundamental sort of point here. Or possibly, you know, we don't know sort of how this pans out, you know, sort of going forward. Um, I think what's happened over time is what you've got to remember is effectively in a very uncontrolled way, we effectively move the workplace into people's homes, into their domestic setting. Um, I think for a short period of time, you know, sort of that is manageable and people sort of just dug in and, and actually sort of like, as you've said, enjoyed the benefits of, of that. But I think over a longer period of time, um, it's harder because we were working differently. Um, you know, Teams and Zoom are marvellous things, but, you know, they effectively you, you're 27 on in your living room, you know, or wherever you're working from in your house. And the Teams meetings and the Zoom meetings are always an hour. You know, they always last an hour. It's great to see people's faces. But actually, you know, sort of I think what we haven't adapted to is actually managing ourselves so that we can actually sort of manage the interactions with others better. So, you know, and, and the, this well-being you know, we've been talking about that, you know, sort of um, I think has become it's become an even sharper focus for a lot of businesses because they've realized that the longer this has gone on, the harder their teams are finding in some places, you know, it to, to cope. Um, and that's very much driven by individual circumstances, but actually big stresses for people have been, you know, the minute they've had to homeschool their children again. So you're doing a full time day job probably you know sort of both parents or partners um and suddenly you're trying to homeschool your sort of eight-year-old and you know actually that puts a totally different pressure on how people can work effectively through a working day and people want to obviously do the best job they can so I think I think we've seen you know time has what we've not adapted we adapted quickly to working away from the office what we've not necessarily adapted is the behaviors and the way we interact and how we manage ourselves and our time and I think that will come but it's it, you know sort of it, it wasn't it didn't come sort of um it hasn't come very quickly for a lot of people actually and actually what you've just described Linda is, is is a lot of what I see in clients and I think if I could make one observation about the sort of the positives that have come out of lockdown for lots of my clients is that they have just really varied person to person <laughs> so you're absolutely right every single person's journey throughout this lockdown has been so different depending on their home circumstances and their work circumstances so the benefits <clears throat> have have been quite varied and like you I've I've heard clients talk about the benefits of potentially having more time to themselves, having a sharper focus on well-being, things like possibly spending a bit more time with their families. One great thing that I've heard is, is this sort of spontaneity from people who've enjoyed 
actually some of the upside. So one minute, uh, I remember a client describing to me they were building a 3D dinosaur with their children. And the next moment they were advising on a debt capacity. And then the next moment they were playing in the snow and the next moment they were doing something else. And that's not multitasking, by the way. That's just the ability to switch. Mm-hmm. Um, so there have definitely been upsides. But for every person that I've coached like that, there is somebody else who who is really, really up against it. And enjoying those things actually is is a bit sort of beyond their their scope. Um, but in terms of what people um, really have benefited from, I think is is like you said, it's it's been forced upon us. But we have all been really given the chance to have a think about how we conduct ourselves at work. And it's another interesting point that you raised, Linda. We've we've often relied on other people and face to face time to to in part organise ourselves. And actually, this point of self-management and those people who've really learned to be able to self-manage and understand when things are going well for them and when things are not and and sort of do something about that has been a really, really good skill set that's come out for some people, obviously, who've been able Mm -hmm. to focus on it. And actually, just to pick up on one of John's points before, of course, it does really help people if they have been familiar with this territory, if they're familiar with either challenges from working from home or familiar with mental health challenges. So those people that have had a bit of an insight before, I think, have already had some lessons learned, perhaps, and have benefited um, a bit more and a bit better and have been able to to deal with it, rather than those who actually were perhaps unaware. They've never worked from home. They've never had a remote team. They might not have encountered any mental health difficulties. And actually, it's really taken them by surprise. John, what what challenges does this bring in terms of in terms of management i mean you you made the point that there are there are people including yourself in in hollis who who have um who have experienced issues around mental well-being how how does how does that shape how the company responds when the workforce goes through a period like this and as we've as we've said there are so many different journeys that people are on there isn't clearly going to be a kind of one size fits all approach to how you look after your teams and staff yeah it, i i think it's it's trying to uh well understand where everybody is on on the the journey that we're going through and it, for us right at the start of this um it were we were we were lucky in that we in, introduced a team to monitor what was going on um with the pandemic and they decided that we would have a trial work from home day on the 17th of March last year and you look back on that and think well and of course we never went back to the office and that that was that was very fortunate um but it was a you know it's a very worrying time for the business because we, we're a people business we, we sell off we sell our time and there was nothing there was nothing to do so you've suddenly stopped and what is going to happen to all these to all these people? And everybody is thinking the same the same thing. Uh, and um, so, communicating really well with everyone is is super important. And um, and how we were going to work our way out of it. And things unfolded quite quite quickly. But it was it was and it it was looking as if it would pan out okay for us, particularly as the furlough came in into play which we did use and it was super beneficial to us 
Um, but getting all those messages out to everyone so that you could ease their concerns about how the business was going to uh, perform during this time, how you were going to deal with it, and just very clear messaging over that at, at one end. But then at the other end, we do operate in teams. You know, we have a, an ethos at Hollis that we are very much one team. You know, we, we have loads of different services that we do. We have 26 offices, some are in Europe, um, but we are one team. And um, uh, but we can communicate through these different groups and just pulling those groups together, making sure that they understood on the ground what was what was happening and that, that we were there to support them and that we could support them um, was was very important and we've we've certainly learned a lot about how to communicate effective more effectively as a business um, it will be good for us fascinating for us going forwards because um, I, I, I almost laugh at some of the things that we're doing now and why haven't we done them for 30 years they're so good <laughs> Um, and um, I'd, lo I'd love an example of that. What 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 brings well, a smile to your face in that? The worst, the worst one is something I should have been doing for 30 years because I, I send an email to everybody once a week called One Team. And I love doing it, actually, because I chat with people and it's it's about how we can work better as one team or or it might be something about the financial results, you know, but it's the end of the a quarter or something but um uh but it's it's just really useful everyone really likes it and i get lots of great feedback and um and it's great the point about communication with your business is really important and i think businesses have really stepped up and have done and, and generally have done this really really well um with their people um, I think, you know, you need some structure to that. So whether, as John said, you know, it's a weekly, you know, sort of note out or you have sort of some structured meetings, some structured comms events that get everybody together. Um, I think the role of HR has been really, really important, mm -hmm. actually, in COVID. Um, certainly the way that we have managed it is, you know, my HR manager is in regular touch with all of the teams and most of the people and, and over the individually and over the year that COVID has um, you know, sort of impacted us all. She has worked you know, really hard to make sure that every time something has changed again um, or we've gone back down to lockdown or the schools are suddenly closed, that actually, you know, we've got a real finger on the pulse as to who some of these changes might be affecting sort of more than others. Um, and then we've been able to basically sort of say, look, you know, OK, so let's help you to structure your day so that you do what you can and need to do for us but actually you deal with your other priorities which like I say could be sort of homeschooling your eight-year-old or whatever else it may be um, and I think actually that's been really really important but so has you know keeping a finger on the pulse of you know sort of how people are feeling generally um, it's something that goes from our board right right the way right the way sort of through the business in terms of that level of contact um, and actually making sure that we've got some almost like safety nets or ways of helping people. So we signed up very sort of early on in me for me joining the business to um, an employee assistance program for the entire company, um, which is 24-7 available. <coughs> 
and covers a range of things from stress and anxiety through to childcare support, through to counselling, through to financial well-being, because actually we wanted to give people some control, you know, um, and, and, a, and a route to actually sort of get help if they if they needed it and they didn't want to talk to us. Um, equally, we've encouraged people to be really open. You know, um, we ran our engagement survey as normal and that sort of actually pulled out, you know, for a business that's highly engaged, um, you know, uh, with, you know, sort of what we do and the purpose and actually how we do it. Um, what it did pull out were, you know, sort of um, was that sense of people feeling overloaded. Um, and then you start to look at a, if you start to unpack that, you think, OK, well, what's happening here? Um, some of it can be volume of meetings. So we've cut some meetings back. Some of it can be just not understanding how the way you work impacts somebody else. So, you know, I'm a late worker. I always have been. But actually, if I'm sending emails at nine o'clock at night, does everybody else think they need to be, you know, sort of on email at nine o'clock at night? And, and actually, as an executive team, we have really sort of changed the way we are we visibly work outside of what you would you would call sort of normal hours and we've encouraged actually that right through the organization um i don't want somebody who's put a full day in and needs to sort of bath their baby have have a glass of wine on their dinner you know suddenly thinking oh gosh my because because remember the device might be in the living room uh you know actually oh gosh linda's just emailed i need to respond so so we're taking really sort of um careful steps to try to make sure that we can respond effectively um and take some of that stress and pressure away again i i wanted to just say what 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 John and Linda have just been saying really resonates with a lot of businesses that, that I've been working with in that communication really has set some of those businesses apart from navigating this era really well compared with others who've struggled more. And actually just putting communication as an increased part of the day job and thinking about it itself, if you like, and, and, and reaching agreement. So it's great to hear stories of reaching agreement of how teams and businesses will communicate with each other and actually putting that on the agenda. So um, the teams and, and businesses that have been really successful have thought about how they communicate. And as has already been said, I think they've done a great job of top down communication, you know, generally speaking across the board. But those that have really excelled have come on to this point that you just mentioned, which is about the individual yeah. and how does each individual necessarily you know want to be communicated with and I know it's it's not always perhaps feasible to have an individual communication strategy for every individual but building it into one-to-ones and finding out what's going on for that individual has has really worked well I was coaching one poor person that was contacted by their leader and I think I think I coached them at 3 p.m in the afternoon and they'd already had nine different mediums of communication so they'd had email, they'd had phone, they'd had Zoom, they'd had text, they'd had WhatsApp, they'd had Slack, they'd had workflow fillings like Trello, they'd had Telegram, they'd had LinkedIn. They just didn't know what, you know, what to do with themselves. And and going back and having an agreed medium and, and communication and understanding what's the right amount or what's too intrusive or the nature of that communication has really, really helped. So mm. majoring on that communication and also catering for the individual as we've said, there's been two themes that I've observed, which have really served mm. some of those businesses well. 
Yeah. And I think actually the other thing I would say is also making sure that you keep some of the fun in this. So other things that, you know, I, I picked up from my, my sort of predecessor in Michelson, he used to do a CEO breakfast once a month. And it was, you know, often sort of a breakfast in a sort of nearby hotel where, you know, people from the business would come and, you know, on rotation to sort of just spend some informal time actually with the CEO. We're doing that on we're doing that on teams. You know, we basically have kept them going with a small group of people, but especially for somebody like me who hadn't met every single person in my organisation face to face, that's been really important, um, you know, for me to put faces to names, but also to, you know, use this medium as a really effective way of meeting them. You know, we've had quizzes, we've had, you know, sort of bingo, we've, we did sort of, um, you know, sort of team Christmas celebrations. I think it's really, really important to remember that, you know, we're social animals um our industry is a very social very gregarious industry um people are really missing that side of it as well as the work environment so trying to make sure and i think it's really important that people do have fun and enjoy being at work you know and actually making sure that you bring some of that back or try to keep it you know sort of um, present to give people an opportunity to connect like this in a different way i think has been really really important and Again, like I'm assuming many businesses, you know, we've focused actually quite hard on that as well. It sounds like John is certainly going to be continuing the one team emails uh, going forward. I, I wondered what you all thought the other big lessons were from this past year that as we start to you know, map out this this route back into the offices, if by the end of the year we are spending a bit more time back at our desks and working you know, more closely to the way we used to, what should we all really try to keep in mind from the experiences of of recent months? For me, I think, um, and it was Victoria who I think sort of trailed this at the beginning, is businesses have to put the well-being of their people at the heart of what they're doing. Um, we've learned, look, we've had some really good things, you know, sort of come out of, you know, we know the technology works. We know that actually, you know, sort of there is no real excuse for sort of businesses not allowing their people to work from home for part of the week if that's actually what they want to do. We know the technology works and people who'd never used it before have adapted to it and they've done it really well. So I think that's really great because I think it saves time. I think it's more efficient. It you know, saves your carbon footprint. There's a whole raft of reasons, you know, actually why that's great. I think businesses need to sort of um, look and say, OK, let's take the best things that came out of how we've worked. Um, make sure we keep those and we amplify them where we can continue to do so. Um, but actually, let's work out. I've got a project running through our people steering group. How do we want to work is the question I'm asking the business, because I think it's really, really important that, you know, sort of we just take the last year and what we've learned from it to ask that question. John, what do you hope we uh, what do you hope we hold on to? Um, I I do agree with with Linda on on lots of on lots of that. I think um, you know understanding you know how our people want to to work, what sort of format going forwards is is really important, and we are certainly focusing on that too. But the huge change that's happened, I I think, is that it's now totally acceptable to work from home, and mm. um, and everybody knows it works, um, mm. and and before, you know, some people thought it was OK, but there were certainly some people that didn't. And, um, you know, and I'm sure that was the case in, in my own organisation. You know, we 
we've now try to run this for a year and it works. Um, and and that is great for people because they can they they can have they can be totally relaxed about um, saying okay I'm going to work three days a week at home and two days in the office and and then it's got to work for the business obviously so there might be time where you've got to do it in a different way so I I think that is is a big thing that we can take away from this which which will be good and Victoria. Well, firstly, I couldn't agree more with what Linda and John have just said. So for me, I think it's the 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 relative abundance now of this human element to work. So understanding that we are all human. We've had some wonderful times, I'm sure, when we've seen people's children in the background or pets come in or and you just you just realise that actually everybody has a life outside of work and surely if that's taken into consideration in whatever guys we've been talking about um it is more productive and 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 like i said before these two things mental well-being and productivity do absolutely go hand in hand so so the human element i hope is here to stay and i hope that's a lesson learned you know however that's worked into businesses i had one final question for you all a year ago my working day was was jumping out of bed rushing to the train station to get into london then at the end of the day rushing home to try to make it back in time for dinner during lockdown i've i've been trying to either start or end preferably both start or end my days with a stroll through a, a local park and i feel completely different just from doing that particularly if it's at the start of the day and I wondered if you all had maybe something you could share that's helped you to deal with the challenges of the last year. Maybe there's a, a, a term it a sort of stress buster for dealing with the, the pressures that we've we've faced, something that's helped to get you through. Um, Victoria, maybe you could you could start us off. Oh, where can I start on this one? So, <laughs> um, what to choose? OK, you're trying to narrow it down. So, so absolutely. Well, first of all, um, a bit like you, Tim, we, we have um, something in our household, which is um, making sure that every day we have some time which is outside and offline. And it's a bit of a mouthful, but outside and offline every day is a bit of a mantra. And it's really helps. And, and like you, I normally choose to do that at the beginning and the end of the day. And for me, that's just about being mentally prepared for the day and having a switch, which has really worked. But I think one thing I've got to also mention is, is having a bit of self-compassion. So um, being a bit kind to ourselves. And what I mean by that is just calming internal dialogue, really. So there has been many people, I think there are many people who um, have come down into the change of working um, environments and in lockdowns who've maintained massive expectations on themselves to the detriment, really, of their productivity. So just having a bit of recognition of what you have achieved rather than um, thinking about all the things that you haven't achieved. So changing that mental dialogue um, has been really, you know, really super. And the third thing I think is is making sure that people take accountability for their um, their own part in being mentally well. So again, it's that kind of debrief, um, but in an individual capacity. So paying attention to when you're stressed and when you're not, and looking at the cause and really trying to do something about it and take action. Mm. Um, and be a bit brave, actually, if it means talking to somebody else about it. Um, so really trying to take accountability. Um, but I'll stop there. I could go on. I think, I think those are all brilliant. Thank you. John, maybe some thoughts from you. I share a, an office, the, the tiny little office here with my wife, actually. And I'm glad that she um, she's just walked out because um, I don't think she would 
agree uh, perhaps with what I'm about to say, but um, <laughs> um, it's you know, running um, uh, a well, you know, we're not a very big business, but it, it, it to be honest, it has been a remarkably stressful time, and um, uh, and um, I haven't really benefited by not doing the commute because um, uh, you know there's just been more to do. But yeah. I do the the almost the rules of life that you referred to, Victoria. If you um, if you've been through um, mental health challenges yourself, um, there are things you've got to do. You know you've got to have enough sleep. Um, you've you might you might spend 12 hours of the day working you can do that but then you've got to have time for yourself and uh and and for me i've got to exercise so um and we all know exercise is good for releasing endorphins and keeping you going so i i think um i would um there certainly were some periods um in the summer where we discovered new walks and we've got dogs and you know that was fabulous and my children are all grown up but over lockdown they were all here and actually to sit down for lunch all together um, was fantastic too you know that was a very good time to relax um, away from it all but I, um, I I hope there are lots of benefits for lots of people operating and I, I love what you're doing uh, Tim but but the 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 most important thing are those are those rules of life and if you are hitting a mental health challenge for the first time it's it's just helpful to to know that um and um uh and it's also enormously helpful for for people to know that it's quite normal and that's what is going on all over the place at the moment which is so good that you know your mental health is not really any different but it isn't any different to your physical health these things will will happen you've just got to work out how to um how to deal with it absolutely and linda what's what's helped you during this period i mean i do try to do some form of exercise every day whether it's inside or outside actually um because i think just echoing you know sort of the point that john made i think your sort of physical health is actually as important as your mental health um, and that can sometimes be a challenge because I don't think I think my working days probably got longer because I'm probably working through my commute which is not a great example although I'm very aware of that actually and and I think the self-awareness point that Victoria made is really important um, and actually knowing what your triggers are and when you need to basically sort of step back and do it differently or have a proper break and a pause um, and I think also for me, um, given the role I'm in and the way I've come into it you know, at this time, you know, making sure that I'm really giving my time where it's where it's most needed, because, you know, there are only so many hours in the day. But actually, you know, you've got to be really sort of focused and, and prioritise on on where where your time goes. Um, I think um, the thing that's kept my feet on the ground is from the start of lockdown, I've had four young adults in my house, um, three of my own and, uh, and, and one who's a partner of my, of my eldest son. 
Um, and they have definitely get, kept my feet on the ground. I have loved that every night I've had a family meal. I've often worked away from home you know, sort of during my career um, for you know, sort of most of the week. So the fact that there is a family meal and um, they definitely, definitely make me get over myself very quickly. Um, so, you know, which, is, which has been really good. Um, and there's felt like there have been no days that have been really bad days. And I think that's been a big part of it. And the one thing they introduced right at the beginning of the first lockdown was a Friday 6.30 cocktail, um, which was their way of basically saying end of the week, it's now the weekend. Um, and that, again, was just something, you know, we talked a little bit about actually how you've almost got to compartmentalise different parts of your day as part of how you manage yourself. I think that was a really good way of actually sort of at least a, for once just drawing a, a line between what was Friday and what was Saturday yeah. when all the days of the week have started to feel like the same for a lot of people um, because nobody's going anywhere really. Yeah I think that's um, I think that's a great initiative here's to those 6.30 cocktails <laughs> I think I just need to make sure I've got out to the park first. <laughs> Send you a list. <laughs> <laughs> well look um, Linda, Victoria, John, Thank you all so much for sharing your thoughts with EG today. I, th I hope that there are some really positive ideas and inspirational ideas here to uh, to help our listeners in the period ahead. And look, thank you for joining us. It's been good to have you all here. And thank you for listening to this EG podcast. For more of our wellbeing coverage, head to our dedicated hub at egi.co.uk forward slash mental dash health. Remember too that you can subscribe to all of our podcasts on your favourite platform and head to egi.co.uk for more real estate news, analysis, interviews and data.